Greetings, bibliophiles, to five author questions, or 5AQ, presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library, the podcast that attempts to delve into the minds of writers using only five questions. I'm Sandra Farrick, Head of Youth Services. And I am Kevin King, Head of Community Engagements. And, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My brain just flew away. Your brain, well, My it, brain flew away. Your brain flew away. It well, totally flew away right now. And it flew away to the end of our glorious theme song. It did. You know. <laughs> so we have an Instagram feed. It's at five author questions. Spell it out. F-I-V-E author questions. And uh, email podcast at kpl.gov. And remember to like, share, and subscribe to 5AQ. So if you haven't done it, do it now. Tell your friends. Do it again. You can even pause and go subscribe. Or you can do it while it's even playing, I think. I think so. Yeah, because when you like, share, and subscribe, you not only support great writers (laughs) like today's guest, but you get more people listening to our podcast, so it becomes the most famous and popular library-based podcast in the world. (laughs) Based out of Michigan? Based out of Michigan. (laughs) Exactly. So today's guest is Megan Giddings. Super excited to talk to her today. Megan has degrees from University of Michigan and Indiana University. In 2018, she was a recipient of the Barbara Deming Memorial Fund Grant for Feminist Fiction. Her stories have been published in Black Warrior Review, Arts and Letters, Gulf Coast, and the Iowa Review. Her novel, Lakewood, was published by Amistad in 2020. It was one of New York Magazine's 10 Best Books of 2020, one of NPR's Best Books of 2020, and a Michigan Notable Book for 2021. And I was on that committee, so I just want to throw that out there. So good job, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and was a nominee for two NAACP Image Awards. Lakewood is a finalist for a 2020 LA Times Book Prize, the Ray Bradbury Prize for Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Speculative Fiction. Megan's second novel, The Woman Could Fly, is forthcoming. She lives in the Midwest. I like that generic. She just lives in the Midwest somewhere. You don't know where. You just seek her out somewhere. Yeah, just <laughs> stand in every Midwest city and call out her name. <laughs> so a brief description of Lakewood. It's a startling debut about class and race. Lakewood evokes a terrifying world of a medical experimentation, part The Handmaid's Tale and part The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, boy. When Lena Johnson's beloved grandmother dies and the full extent of the family debt is revealed, the black millennial drops out of college to support her family and takes a job in the mysterious and remote town of Lakewood, Michigan. So if you want to hear more about Lakewood or see uh, more information about our lovely author, you can go to www.megangiddings.com and welcome to 5AQ Megan. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, somewhere deep in the Midwest somewhere. (laughs) In a bunker in the Midwest. A bunker somewhere. I wouldn't blame you for being in a bunker in the Midwest somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is five author questions. We have five questions planned out for you. But sometimes we have follow-ups. And because it's our show, they're allowed. Mm -hmm. So question number one. What books have made you cry in public? And which ones have made you laugh in public? I read your website. Oh, boy. You did. So I haven't really had the luxury of being in public and feeling, like, relaxed enough to Mm -hmm. read. Oh, I mean, most people, yeah, in about a year. But the last book I remember laughing about in public is It's Temporary by Hilary Leichner. And it's such a weird book, but so much about temporary, I mean, job culture and trying to, like, hustle and be yourself. And it's just such a weird book that kept making me laugh. 
I think the last time I cried over a book, although I think this is more close to tears, mm-hmm. is that um, I've been teaching We Need New Names to my intermediate fiction students. And there's a scene that I was reading to them in, like when I read the book by myself, I didn't really cry. But there was something about reading to them and seeing their faces reacting to the scene that started making my like throat close up and I knew it was coming. And I had to like, take a break. I think I even hit the mute button for a minute so I could calm down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it was, we need new names. You know, reading out loud is, is become so much more powerful and it changes the way you look upon scenes in books. Um, you know, ones you've previously read to yourself. I know there's a bunch of times I've read something to myself and then read it out loud and be like, Oh my gosh, where are all these emotions coming from? <laughs> and I think you're right. It's from looking at people's reactions. So thank sure. you. Question number two, who is your favorite hero and why? You know, I've been kind of really musty about the term hero this year because everybody's been called a hero. Like mm-hmm. you go somewhere and someone just because of the world we live in. But I think God, right now I'm kind of really into Beowulf. I don't know. Is Beowulf <laughs> a hero? He's kind of a bad. Well, oh. Beowulf. Beowulf is awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. And I actually read it as a Michigan State undergrad not that that's where you're at because you're in a bunker somewhere in the midwest i am in a bunker (laughs) (laughs) so all right so question number three what fictional character have you always wanted to meet in real life and why this one i truly don't have an answer as an adult because i think the fiction i read it does such a great job of making you feel like you know them Mm -hmm. And I've spent time with them. Like, that's sometimes how you know a book has really worked. You know this person. You might have spent more time with them than you have with a lot of people lately. And it makes them feel real and alive. I think when I was a kid, though, I was obsessed with meeting Clifford, the big red dog. Like, I just, <laughs> I wanted to see how big he really was. I wanted the whole big dog experience. That is so great. Um, did you watch the cartoon? Yeah, when you're going up. That is like the best cartoon. I love that cartoon. It's yeah, and Clifford. Is, I don't know something about him moving made him extra cute. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. And he just acted like a puppy, right? He was yeah, pretty gi- much ginormous. And then he's like, "No, I can sit on your lap. No, I can squeeze into this thing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's why, like, now I always kind of when I think about getting a dog, I want like a Great Pyrenee or a mm-hmm. Newfie, yeah. even though like. Those are impossible dogs. They're so big, <laughs> yeah. but spray, yeah. spray paint it red and then you can have your Clifford. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I used to walk my daughter to school in New York city and there was a guy that would walk his St. Bernard every day. And I'm like, where <gasps> do you keep a St. Bernard in your New York city apartment, sir? But yeah. there he was every day, like clockwork, walking his dog. So you can get the biggest dog <laughs> you need to in your bunker. Because in your bunker, yeah. We can put St. Bernard's in New York City apartments. Nice. Done. <laughs> You've just changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here at 5AQ. We change people's lives. All right. Question four. Give us a few songs on the soundtrack of your life and why these songs. So... Right now, I've been listening to Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers a lot. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why. I really like the song. It's great. I've been, 
That was so articulate. It's great. Um, <laughs> I've also been thinking a lot about, and I've been using it to write too. It's 22nd century. It's a cover by Nina Simone. Oh. It's like nine minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it's about maybe the end of the world, maybe about how we can change and get away from the end of the world. But I, it makes me want to write. I feel inspired every time I hear it. Yeah, she is such an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Her voice is just, it's an original and yeah, it's a great choice there. What did you listen to growing up? Um, I didn't really get much of a choice. Like I listened to a lot. Whenever I think about it, I think of my dad playing like the quiet storm and then being like, don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but he would still be listening to it in a way uh-huh. where I could hear the yeah. whole thing. And I, a lot of my childhood memories are about my dad controlling the radio. Like my brother's living with me right now because Mm -hmm. of pandemic. And we talked about how many times my dad would play like the original, like the nineties Godzilla soundtrack with the puff daddy walk with me Uh and how it gives us like this visceral reaction. Now, like dad's making dinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This song is on. That's hilarious. <laughs> but that's what good, I mean, that's what good music does. Or not necessarily good music, just meaningful music or you know, great contact points. And that's her That song is high art. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Oh, I, I'm not going to. We gonna, didn't make anything better than Come With Me. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of that soundtrack was kind of interesting, too, if I remember correctly. That was one of the. First, oh, yeah. That was one of those first soundtracks that I can remember that not a lot of songs were actually in the movie. They were all like kind of inspired by the movie. Yeah, but it seemed like everybody owned that soundtrack yeah, for a while. You're right. Yeah. All right. We're all ready to question five. And um, question five is this. Can you speak on the rise of Afrofuturism literature and where you'd like to see it continue to go? You know, this is a question that made me pause the most because I was like, is there really arise right now in Afrofuturism literature like whenever I think of the books that are popular mm-hmm. they still seem to be pushing more toward historical like the big book of last year that was a black book was Britt Bennett well I mean Luster was really big too mm-hmm. but the vanishing half is this book that's historical and features a lot about black communities and I was trying to think of what I could see of rising and I think it is just having a conversation taking it seriously mm-hmm getting more people to think about imagining futures that are centered on people coming together, sharing of resources of how do we reimagine what life could be on this planet? And I think, I think that's what I want to see is that we're looking less toward the past in our fiction about black Americans, especially and moving more toward what does it look like if we, if we could do anything now when we don't have to write about, slavery or Jim Crow and who are we, who are we going to be? Did you think about um, when you were writing Lakewood, was that something you thought about a lot in, in that moving away and, and that, cause it's, 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 I don't want to say it's genre defying cause I'm, and I don't even want to say it's a genre book cause it's not, but Lakewood has a lot of, I, I mean that Hollywood, you know, the Handmaid's Tale meets Henry Hiddleck's yeah. Hollywood pitch. You know, I, I almost feel like it doesn't give the book justice. But you know, what what were your what are your were you meaning to write a book that was kind of Afro futuristic or science fictiony or? 
Not really. Like at the heart of Lakewood, it was about how angry I was about the American healthcare system as it now mm-hmm. is now. And I wanted to write a book that really captured how mad I am that people, we don't really get to die with dignity in this country unless we have money. So many of us have to think about money, finances, what our loved ones are going to do when we're dying, rather than take the time to actually say goodbye and to process our time here is done. And I really wanted to capture that just outrage feeling I had. And I think, though, that ties a lot into Afrofuturism, because again, like, at the heart of like what it's all these systems that exploit people and make them not want to come together and make them feel alone. And I, I am thinking much more now with my second book about how, how can I write about a society and write about people coming together and how do I make that complicated and not feel like an utopia and make it feel like something that could be possible on earth right now, because that's the other issue, right? Where it feels too good to be true that a whole community could work together and no one Mm -hmm. (laughs) double crosses each other and everybody wears their masks and everybody Mm -hmm. does whatever it takes to keep each other safe. But I do want to radically imagine that. I want to think about what if we could all be the best possible person to each other? What if we could be good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. All right. So you alluded to your next book, but what else are you working on now or what's upcoming for you? Honestly, I, I haven't had time to do anything but my next book. It comes out next August. And I did do this kind of few state thing where I wrote 15 pages a few weeks ago. And then realized they had nothing to do with my second book. And maybe they're my third book, or maybe it was just I was bored and needed to be somewhere else for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I It's one of the things I kind of really missed when I was writing Lakewood. I was writing a lot of short stories at the same time and doing many projects. But for this one, I think it's, I don't know. I also have way less of a brain than I did just two years ago. <laughs> I'm, COVID, COVID did, brain. Did yours fly away too? Because I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Like a robin in spring. <laughs> it has gone somewhere else to well, its you, original home. Well, you, you had quite a year, though. I mean, from the, the release of Lakewood and then the height of COVID and just the popularity of Lakewood. And just, you know, I went online and there's so many times you were interviewed. And I'm like, she she had a busy year. But it was probably a good year to do interviews because you were <laughs> and in she quarantine. Yeah. Well, you know, and she's in her bunker. So her what bunker, else is she exactly, going to do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> We zoom in, we have set regulated times, uh-huh. and then sometimes someone says, do you want some water? Do you mm-hmm. want some food? Yeah, nice. And I stay in the bunker even though I'm tempted out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're safe in the bunker. And I look very, did you say it was going to be August of 21 or 22? 2022. 22. Okay. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Well, thank It's going to be about witches. Oh, teas. Well, yeah, you heard it here first, people, on 5AQ. We <laughs> broke the news about witches. Maybe we didn't, but I just want to think we did break the We news. did. We twisted our arm and everything. We totally twisted our arm. <laughs> you two also do have, like, a news anchor set up. I know, <laughs> so don't we? It does look like you're breaking the news together. <laughs> this just in. <laughs> Megan Giddings' new book is about witches. 
Well, Megan, thank you so very much for spending this wonderful spring day with us. And uh, we can't wait for the new book. I encourage everyone, if you haven't read Lakewood, you need to read it. Just a great, great, great novel. It sticks with you. It sticks with you way beyond the last page and it gets you really thinking. And Thanks again for being on 5AQ. Thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Great. Be safe in the bunker now. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Five Author Questions presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. Finally, we leave you with a quote from author Ernest Gaines. Question everything, every stripe, every star, every word spoken, everything. Everything.